Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today our topic is why people fight. I'm sure this is something everyone can relate to. If you're a human, you should be able to relate to this topic. Whether you are a lover or a fighter, because for me personally, I'm someone who does not fight. Fighting makes my armpits sweat. It makes my 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 hands get like cold and clammy and my heart races. I will avoid confrontation at any cost. I'm one of those people that is terrified of anger. So it always amazes me when there's other people out there like Jane who are really ball- ballsy and bullshit <laughs> who aren't afraid to have the argument with the guy who's just parked the semi-trailer behind my car. <laughs> you were horrified when I had a crack at him. <laughs> Mortified. I was hiding in my chair. You know, there are people out there, and I'm not putting Jane in this box, but there's certainly people out there who thrive on a good argument. You know, whether Oh, I don't. No, no, you don't. I used to, though. Past tense, I used yeah, to and until I realised it wasn't working for me. That's right, because there's some people out there who just genuinely attract the drama. They feed off the anger. They, 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 they love having a good old fight. They're not afraid to speak their truth and be quite blunt and brash you know within relationships to to really put it all out on the table and often with quite a rough delivery so we're going to be exploring today this concept of not just fighting and why we fight or how we handle anger and tension when it comes up in the room but then obviously that may lead into a bit of anger management for those of you that perhaps fight a bit too much you would like to tone back the fighting and find other ways to calm down to communicate and to sort through the big red hot emotions that flood through you at the drop of a hat when you get those triggers. It's interesting too, what is a fight? What is the definition? Because I know you were really uncomfortable when that happened. And yet to me, that wasn't a fight. So what happened was I parked my car in a five-minute bay at a petrol station. The next thing I know, a massive semi-trailer's pulled up behind me to refuel. Unbeknownst to me, apparently it's going to take half an hour. Well, Jane and I've got to go somewhere. We've got a Love Life show to record. and. Uh, and so know, I just went out when he came over and said, you know, you're going to be stuck here for half an hour. And I said, oh, actually, no, we're leaving now. And he said, too late. And I said, well, it can't be too late because you've just, we're only here for less than five minutes. So you need to just let us out and then you can do your thing. And so I was just very firm and said, you know, this is how it is. And so Jane, I didn't see it as a fight. Jane interprets that as very firm. I'm sitting in the car and I can hear raised voices and Jane giving him a little bit of a piece of her mind and not taking no for an answer, which is thrillingly exciting for me. <laughs> You're funny. Like, I would just sit in the car for half an hour and let him be right. Like, seriously, this is what I need to work on in my life. I get this from my father who, if he goes to the theatre and then it's intermission and you go and line up for a champagne or orange juice, he will just let people pass in front of him in the line and he'll stand there for 15 minutes. And guess who does the same thing at the butchers? Me. I'll stand there at the grocers or the butchers and I'll let somebody else push in front of me and I won't say a bloody word. But, you know, there is picking your battles as well. And and so I must admit that when I was younger, I was really quite self-righteous and it was my job to tell everybody else in the world what they were doing wrong in their life. Ho-hum, boring, doesn't work, who am I, opinionated, arrogant, judgmental, all of that. So I own all of that from the past. But at the end of the day, it wasn't making me happy. So you have to learn to choose your battles. And now I just sort of find that I can sit in more neutral energy that I'm not, it's not a mission of who's right or who's wrong. It's a, there's a situation and there's a problem and I would like this rectified and are you able to do that? That's it. It's that simple. It's just a negotiation. But why do people actually fight in the first place? Because they want to be right 
or because they want to be heard. They want to be validated. For some people, they feel alive when they're fighting that, well, you know, I don't get any attention at home, but hey, when I have, he has a crack at me, at least I feel loved. You know, it can, there's all sorts of distorted reasons of why people will fight. But what I want to most help people hear is, what if you've been fighting, but you don't want to fight anymore? That's what I'm hoping we can get out of this podcast is to help people to, to not buy into the energetic exchange of what a fight is. So for me, a fight is when somebody throws a ball of energy. I want you to think of it as a, a soccer ball and they've got it in their hands and they've placed their intent of energy inside the soccer ball and they want to have a go at me and they're going to then throw that ball short distance, really fast, straight at my chest. There we go. Over it comes. They've had a go at me about something. Now I've caught that ball meaning that I have received and heard what they've said. Now, it's my choice whether I quickly react and pump that ball full of my intent, which is to have a crack right back and grab that ball fast and throw it just as fast back, chest level, straight to them. And then they grab it and do the same. So now we've got an argument going on. Or the ball gets thrown at me, I grab the ball, I pause, I try and not react to the energy but observe what is really going on here and I respond in a neutral energy by not holding, by placing that ball, extending my hands out to the middle of the two of us. The ball is now sitting in the middle. It's not being thrown and saying, I hear what you're saying. What are you really feeling? Now, they can snatch that ball out of my hands or they can go and grab another ball, fill that with their toxic reaction and throw another ball at me and I'm going to catch that ball and I'm going to do the same thing. Let's sit down and talk about this. Or do you want to go for a walk, calm down a bit, come back and then we'll talk about it. I'm not reacting. It's my choice. It's my choice if I wish to grab a ball and throw it back or not. So I choose to not do it. And most people will only throw two or three balls before they either calm right down and start to get into what the real guts of the issue is and speak their truth, or they'll storm out of the arena wherever you are and remove themselves vibrationally from you because you're not playing and they want someone to play with. So they'll go find somebody else to be their punching ball. One of the stories about Buddha is what Jane's describing. In there's some I forget the exact story, but he goes into a village and a man comes up very, very angry at him, shouting and raging and projecting all of this anger and blame and hatred onto the Buddha. And, you know, Buddha, of course, being Buddha, just literally holds up a deflection shield and doesn't take any of it on. And his statement is something about if, you know, I can choose whether or not to, to take on or to accept that other person's emotions. And because I choose not to, that person is left just sitting in their own anger. Like they're just left holding it all by themselves. You know, it takes two to tango. It takes two people to fight. It takes two people to have an energy exchange. And if you refuse to buy into it, if you refuse to come to the party, it can be a very self-empowering thing, can't it, Jane? It's amazing. I think it's one of the most important things I've actually learned to accomplish in my entire life. Mm. It, it transformed my life instantly. So for example, a little tiny thing, um, we had an incredibly busy weekend where my family, my, my husband and my children and I, we were all very tired, very little resilience left at the end of the weekend. It was just one of those exceptionally busy weekends we had to get through. 
And so my husband had a bit of a spit about how this great big pile of, of bills and envelopes that were all chucked on top of the freezer and, you know, somebody puts all those things there. Well, that somebody is obviously me because the children don't tend to clean up stuff like that. And so he wanted to have a crack at me for putting everything there. What was he really upset about? He was upset that he hadn't found the time to clean up this pile that was bothering him. It wasn't actually about me. He was frustrated at himself. But because I chose to not... I caught the ball that he had a crack at me with and I chose to not have a crack back but just see it for what it is. It just stopped a drama. It stopped him getting angry or it stopped me getting angry and I could just see it for what it was. A man that's very tired, that was a little bit time poor than he has been in the past and he's frustrated at it. And that's a nice and a very everyday normal human example but there's definitely people out there in business and in relationships who really play the anger card because as Jane referenced earlier, you know, they, they – they have learned to get some what they want, whether it's bullying, whether they're using it for the fear factor, you know, literally make someone cower in their boots, knock someone off balance, take them by surprise. It is a power play that begins to go on. They're very good at sniffing out the right kinds of targets as well. Um, you know, that they are good at sniffing out the people who just kind of take it and not dish it back too hard. Although I think if somebody does dish it back, they tend to rise rise more, don't they? It becomes a neck and neck thing then, doesn't it? It can become a neck and neck thing, but usually if you persistently hold your energy with good intent, they'll actually go and find someone else to pick on. That's right, or they'll, or they'll melt away. Um, the thing with, you know, sometimes there's relationships where there's a man and a woman um, who will just – they're just known as the fighters, you know, all their, all their other couples, all their other friends will say, oh, those two, the cats and dogs, you know, no love lost between those two. They will just bicker, they will fight. Often it's, it's, it's confused with passion as well. It's almost like the more they fight, the hotter sex they That's, have, yeah. very explosive relationships, volatile relationships. There's a lot of energy there and a lot of passion and intensity. And even if it's not quite that level, if you have a, a somebody in your life, it could might be a mother or a father-in-law or something like that, and every time you see them, you almost automatically find yourself defaulting into just this energy dance with them. They say something, you're immediately pissed off, you say something, they get narky, and it happens every time you see them, you know? We all have certain people with these energy pattern setups in our life and I, I think it takes a little bit of spiritual work a little bit of conscious awareness and being the higher person to deliberately say I no longer choose to engage in that pattern I now choose to change the rules of the energy game that's existed for a long time between me and that person and I'm going to do something different then so rather than just automatically responding the way that you always do whenever that person's energy gets anywhere near you and pushes your buttons you do something different, a pattern interrupt, whether that's just go silent, walk away, whether it's say something completely different to what you'd normally ever say to them, whether it's just not taking it on. Um, you can begin to experiment a little bit with some of these these exchanges that you find yourself getting very locked into. It's actually a really cool game to play this energetic exchange game to start to really understand how people do change energetically. Have you ever done this? This is just a little side note, but have you done this where like, I might have a girlfriend that rings me and it's uh, school holidays and my children are sleeping in and she, she's used to ringing me at 8.30 in the morning for a bit of a chat. So I answer the phone whispering going, hi, hang on, I'm just going to walk outside the house. She whispers back to me. Right. And then I like to go, why are you whispering? <laughs> 
because it's an energy exchange. Yes. She didn't have to whisper. She's quite fine. She's got nobody asleep in her house. Jane, it's like it's the body a, language thing where yes. you, you cross your legs, the person opposite you crosses their legs, you touch your chin, they'll touch their chin. Yes. It's very subtle, but we mirror and mimic. Yes, absolutely. So when, it, in a way, it is rapport building. And this is what confuses people if you no longer are in rapport with them. If they are slinging negative energy at you and you're always in the past have slung it back and you've now chosen to not sling anymore, they don't understand that because that's not rapport building to them. You're now stepping away from them and that can actually fire them up even more, but it can put them into another fear pattern because they can say, hang on a dick. She's, she's not wanting or he's not wanting to now connect with me this way. So it is a, a very powerful tool. Um, you know, one of the other things to have a look at here is what is going on behind somebody that wants to pick a fight? Why are they doing that? And if you can have some compassion, some empathy for what is going on behind the scenes, this can help you to defuse your reaction as well. So, for example, I can predict when my 14-year-old daughter is going to go to the nth degree to get angry at me so that I can yell at her so she can have a great big cry. (laughs) And it will happen when she's had back-to-back sleepovers during school holidays. And she doesn't want to miss out because all their little posse are getting together at each other's houses and there's the the pool party sleepover and then there's the movie marathon sleepover. She's sleep deprived. She's also highly sensitive. So she actually has yet to really learn to master and maybe she never will really master it. But being in other people's energy for, you know, a period of 48 hours, she struggles with. So she comes home and of course, all these other lovely families have had the best of her behavior. And as per normal, she walks in the door and can be herself. So I get the bad behavior, but she walks in. How are you, darling? She chucks all her stuff in the floor and then she'll just have a crack at me about whatever is the first thing that she can observe that displeases her in her room or in our home. And if I'm tired, if my resilience is low and I have a crack back, she'll just keep going until she's got an excuse to cry. Now, why does she want to cry? Because it releases the negative energy that's been stored up in her body. You know, the it, it releases hormones that are healing to the serotonin and cortisol balance that's going on within her mind. And so that is one reason that a lot of people will want to have a fight because it is an unhealthy way of releasing energy that's been stored up in their body. Fascinating, isn't it? It is fascinating. Or, or, you know, the other example of somebody that comes home from work, they've had a bad day at work and they want to now take it out on you because they couldn't take it out on anybody at work. And so they want to take it out on you because they've got to get rid of this energy. Yeah. So all I'm giving examples for here is that when you're aware of this, you can find other ways to manage the energy. So I might say to Tara when she gets home, you know, why don't you have some real quiet time? Put your headphones on, listen to your music or watch watch a movie and just lie in bed, be cozy up and just be by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, two hours, three hours, she'll, be, she'll come out completely fine. Yeah. Completely fine. I think when we're talking about children in particular with anger, I mean, particularly with young children, you know, you, you're two to three, four, five, six, seven-year-olds, anger is a very important emotion for little children who haven't really got the vocabulary necessarily to articulate themselves yet the way an adult can and say, look, I'm sorry, I just feel really crappy, I just need to go and have some alone time or whatever. You know, a two-year-old might not be able to say that. Or a three-year-old might get so frustrated trying to perform a task, which he can see what how the adults do it, and he can see how everyone else does it, but his little hands can't quite get there. And the frustration, you know, they're, they're so ahead in their own mind from where they want to be. It's very frustrating to almost be disabled by their own youth, I think, in many cases. Um, 
Also, children like um, Jane just said with her daughter, they're, they're sponges. They're so sensitive. You know, they will soak up whatever the dynamic is in the household. And if it's not a very happy household or there's sickness or there's sadness or there's fighting going on with mum and dad or older si- siblings, that child will, they won't know what to do about it. Their only way to help will be to actually carry some of it. So they'll absorb it and carry it emotionally, energetically, but then they've got to put it somewhere too where they'll go crazy. So then they'll have these epic tantrums or they'll just seemingly lose the plot over nothing. And a really important parenting tool when that happens with any young child that's having a massive meltdown is that you literally just sit with them and witness it. So you don't react, don't tell them off, don't shove them into the timeout corner, just sit with them and allow them to process that full spectrum of emotion until it's clean and it's passed through. And often what I'll do with my child is, um, you know, and once he's got to the point where he's kind of passed it through a bit, I will take him by the hands and I'll look him right in the eyes and I'll get down at his level and I'll say, now I want you to take three deep breaths with me. And so I'm teaching him from a very young age just to sort of calm the body down a bit. Three deep breaths, really big ones. And I breathe with him so he, he has to go with the same, you know, uh, the slowness rhythm. of my, the same rhythm of my breath. That's right. And, uh, and I just think, you know, when it comes to angry adults, so much of adults who use anger regularly as a tool to navigate through life, it, I think a lot of it's come from really bad role modeling. I think, you know, often it's come from living in a household with a, maybe an angry, aggro sort of a dad who maybe his father was angry and aggro. He's only ever learned how to be angry and aggro. You know, that's modeled to them as a perfectly valid way to, you know, let out your shit basically. And, and a lot of people don't know any better. I just want to come back to this beautiful exercise that you do with your children. And I'm going to suggest, why don't we replace the word children with people? Yeah. That exercise works for people. If I'm having a meltdown, if I need to have a meltdown because I'm overwhelmed and stressed and got so much going on that I can't see the wood for the trees and I want to just have a pity party and I allow half an hour pity parties, I think they're quite good for you every now and again. <laughs> That's all you're allowed though with me, half an hour, then move on. Um, but, you know, I want to have a meltdown. To have my husband or to have a friend sit next to me and just let me have my meltdown Yeah, is beautiful. Yeah, we have this thing that we've got to fix other people. Absolutely. And we don't have to fix other people. We just have to let them be as long as we're not taking it on and antagonizing or playing the game, playing the energy. Look, I really think it's as simple as this. Everything is energy, everything. And it is an energetic exchange that you choose to buy into. So if you've got a partner that fights, that's because you fight. It's all mirror. mirror. That's it. It's because you fight. You choose to fight. You can't fight with somebody who doesn't fight. And, you know, and you might want to whinge and have the pity party. Oh, but he always picks a fight with me. He, he starts it or she yeah, starts you're, it. You, you, your emotions are the ones that are being hurt. You're choosing to be hurt. You are. And do you know, do you know what, where the real fight is? The real fight is I'm fighting with myself. That's right. That's actually what's going on because you're maintaining, a, you know, some sort of bandwidth of misery throughout it all. Anyway, nobody can ever make you feel anything without your permission. Well, we come back to that little example I said of all of the pile of envelopes that needed to be gone through. Simon was fighting with himself when he had a crack at me. Who puts all of this stuff up here and I miss things? You know? Yeah. He was actually fighting with himself. Oh, it's got 0% of anything to do with you. Nothing. It's a very big statement about where he's at emotionally. That's right. Absolutely. Like at that point, he's really struggling with with his organization and and wanting the time to to be doing things the way he did. And it's disappointed him that he's he's likes things quite meticulous in certain areas of his life. Could do with him doing his man shed out there. But anyway, (laughs) it's another story. But I think Um, that's... that's why it's important to remember that if somebody does have a crack at you, either as a one-off, 
where you might be able to say, you know what, I have no idea what happened to them this morning. I don't know what their week's been. Maybe someone in their family's got terminal cancer. I can't know. Or if it's somebody who, you know, you've got the really bitter mother-in-law who every time she sees you says something very, very poisonous to you, you know, just back up and remember Happy people don't get up in the morning and go out and make other people's lives miserable. These are people who are very, very unhappy inside. They're carrying a lot of blackness. For them to need to project that much red and black and anger out onto other unsuspecting people just going along in life, minding their own business, living their own lives, think how miserable they must be. Get a perspective on it. Don't take it on. Don't buy it. It's not even personal. It is not even personal. If you want to learn something from it, fine. If there's a gift in it for you, absolutely. But it's other people's stuff. It is never personal. When somebody wants to have a go at another person or get angry at another person it is purely because of their own lack of ability to look within themselves and own what it is within themselves that needs changing yeah it is always self-disappointment that they are not prepared to look at because it's going to hurt now there is a flip side to anger as well which is in the positive vein, people who suppress anger and never, never, never want to feel anger because it's an emotion that scares them. I'll be out of control. I feel uncomfortable in, in anger. I don't want people around me to be angry. I'll people please or I'll be, I'll say yes to everything so that no anger happens. Um, you know, I'll compromise. I'll self-sacrifice. Stepford wife. All of that. Um, or it may be just somebody who, yeah, like they're constantly pushing and down and suppressing really valid emotions, maybe over something that happened a long time ago that they've never fully allowed themselves to feel for, for whatever reason. And in these instances, anger is actually very important because as with any emotion, like I said before with the tantruming three-year-old, if, if a human being is allowed to fully express any emotion that bubbles up inside their chest from joy right through down to grief or sadness, if they are allowed to let that emotion pass through almost on a bell curve, you know, it comes in small, it gets bigger and bigger, it's overwhelming, it's like a wave, it crashes over and then it recedes, you get through it, you process it, you come out the other side, you're that much calmer for it, you know? It's a surrendering to whatever you're feeling in the moment, fully feel it, be it, cry it out, own it, enjoy it even. And then it will be gone. You know, you needn't be scared of big emotions. You needn't worry about having to suppress them or put them away because they're untidy or it's not appropriate. You know, it's this level of vulnerability that the world is crying out for right now, that we be more honest with how we're feeling. Whoever we are, wherever we are, any time. It's not shameful to cry in public. It's not shameful to cry with that stiff, upright family member. It's okay to feel it. And with anger, the important thing to realize is it's a very cleansing emotion. It's a very creative emotion. Anger usually births creativity because it's kind of, well, there's the expression, um, get mad, get even, don't get mad, get even, but it, but it's more like um, get mad so that you can channel all that energy into a solution or into to propel you to the next place so you're not just stuck in the endless, relentless grief, depression. See, that's a very, very heavy, low, stuck sort of stagnant vibration. And often what happens if you've been very low or sad or depressed is sometimes anger may come along next and it's almost a relief. Anger's like, oh, thank God, I can feel something. Mm. And then something's going to change and happen. That's right. If we, yes, we, which we talked about in a podcast a few weeks ago about climbing the emotional ladder that's and understanding right. that, you know, anger is a higher vibration than, uh, than depression. 
that if we knew that somebody that is angry that's totally losing it, if we knew that they'd not felt anything for years or months, that suddenly they were, wouldn't we not be rejoicing and encouraging them to get all the anger out? I remember doing a beautiful exercise up at Uluru on a gorgeous retreat I attended, um, throwing anger at the rock. And you know, at first you feel funny because there's a group of, you know, a dozen of you, or I think it was about 15 on that retreat, and you feel a bit silly throwing all your words at the rock. And then I started to get into it and out it spewed. And I'm sure if it had a color it and a smell, or probably some psychics can see and smell it, it would have been putrid and foul. But gee, it felt good. It really felt good. You can't, it, it, it's not healthy to suppress things. There's a story right at the very beginning of Louise Hay's classic 1970s You Can Heal Your Life book where she says something along the lines of, you know, the other day I came home and I was feeling really grouchy and rotten and touchy and narky. So she, what, did, what did she do? She did the best thing for herself and for everyone. She went to the bedroom and closed the door. She got a pillow and she began to punch the hell out of that pillow. And as she punched, the true feelings emerged and showed themselves. She, you know, she was able to unleash. And then she was like, I know what it is now. It was stuff from childhood. It was whatever. And out it came, a good cleansing. And then it's gone. Have I shared the story about my screaming room? I don't know. Okay. I used to have, um, I think I've mentioned, I used to have a company called Essential Talent. It was a production company for, for entertainers. And, you know, entertainers being quite highly um, dramatic, there was always a lot of drama going on in our um, our studios. So I had a room that I called the screaming room. And if somebody turned up and they were in a foul mood or they were carrying on because they can energetically pull the entire cast down. And when you've got a budget, you, you've got to have so much rehearsal done um, of a show per hour, otherwise you're going to be out of budget and the show's not going to go on. So it's crucial that you can't have this happen. So I used to then send that person over into the screaming room, also had a pinball machine in it, I had call officers, really call officers, um, but they'd shut the door and they had to scream as loud as they could. Yeah. Now we'd all hear it, but they just had to get it all out and they'd come back in and they always came back in feeling better. Sometimes they'd come back in feeling a bit stupid and sheepish and a bit self-conscious because everybody had heard them scream. But whatever yucky, toxic energy was inside them prior to screaming, it was gone. Yeah. It was gone. Now, whether the, I didn't have the skills then to, you know, be able to go down the path of what is it you're feeling now and can you have you got greater insight into what you're actually really feeling rather than just feeling angry. We didn't go down that path. I just wanted to manage the behavior for the moment. But that was yeah. really cool. So I think the power of screaming is not to be underestimated. No. You know, if you are friends with somebody who is is a deliberate antagonizer and you are sick of the pattern, if we go back to the, the premise of today, you know, why people fight and, and how to break those patterns for your own well-being, we've, we've mentioned before in podcasts how often if somebody's really, really, really angry, if you just sit there quite calmly and let them just have their big say, have their big go, you can withdraw the truth as well. So... Again, this is the Buddha thing. If if you just allow it to wash over you, if you don't rise to it, it's a bit like a bully where they say, don't react, be neutral, walk away. Or they say it with flashes as well. If the, if the man in the trench coat flashes you with a playground, don't give them a reaction. They're actually looking for a reaction. And, and if you give them no reaction, they actually don't really know what to do because that's not what they planned. That's not how it's supposed to work. I did get flashed in the London Underground once and I laughed. Oh, Jane. Well, that was because I got told to laugh and so I laughed. Did and it I actually. Well, yeah, he ran off. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I kind of think if somebody's coming blazing out looking for a fight with you, you know, it's actually a very spiritually powerful and empowering thing to do to just hold the space. You don't actually have to respond. You don't need to say a word. You can just nod and 
And, and you could start saying, how does that make you feel? Or you could just, mm-hmm. Or you could say, and what else? And you could just keep saying, and, and what, what else? else? And what else? That's clever. And what else? And what else? Until they're all spent. Until they're all talked out. out. And then maybe the tears will come and then maybe it's, yeah, and I'm feeling really down because our house isn't selling or my husband said this to me this morning. And then it's, you know, then the truth starts to mm. come. And, and what is it that you want? And they'll tell you. Then you and know. then finally, how can I help? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And my mum tells a story as well that years ago when she was a young and very hot-headed 20-something, she had some issue with her car in at the car garage and she went streaming into like, you know, give this guy a piece of her mind who hadn't fixed the car properly. And she ranted and raved at him and he just stood there like a Zen monk until she actually felt completely foolish. She said, because that's, that's what happens. If you go in screaming at somebody who really doesn't respond, you're actually left feeling a little bit too loud and a little bit too silly after about five or ten minutes of it. And so, and then you start apologizing profusely for your behavior. Exactly. And she calmed down and she can't, he just kept talking to her in a very low voice. And she, you know, she, she, again, that thing about the, the mimicking, she eventually modified her voice until they were both down on the same page. And then he had her in the palm of his hand. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? She she was throwing the ball at him and he just kept catching all these balls and doing nothing with it. She always tells that story because it obviously left a very big impression on her. And, and, you know, when I was a journalist years ago, this really angry guy rang up wanting to sue us for something. And I'll never forget how my boss handled that. And she, because I remember listening to her side of the phone conversation and she did the same thing. She just talked in a really low voice. She was very, very calm. She just stayed incredibly cool and calm. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful so thing. Powerful. If you can manage it, because I know that those moments are very highly charged and often you do go into a bit of a fright or flight mentality. So it is practice because, you know, the first thing you want to do is get the adrenaline, you tremble, you want to defend yourself, you know, but if you can just... You kind of fake it to start with. Yeah, to start with, you're kind of yeah. taking a great big deep breath and holding all this negative energy and reaction inside. you just got to suppress it to start with and you will get better at being able to manage this as time goes by. It is practice. Just start gathering the new evidence that this new tool is working for you. Don't beat yourself up when you do react and you go back to your old way of throwing the ball back and forth. Just keep persisting with learning and mastering this new tool and we guarantee your life will be different. We hope we, that we've helped you a bit today with this topic. Of course, we cover lots of topics on our show. If you want a topic to, uh, for us to cover, please contact us through thewellnesscouch.com or our Facebook page. And if you'd like to um, join us again on the couch next Wednesday, we have another three half-hour show for your listening pleasure. I'm Rebecca. Now, Facebook page, Beck. What? Because people have a hard time finding us on Facebook. How do they find because us? Because Love Life has got a million, million, million different pages. So we are facebook.com forward slash love life show all one word. So we'd love to hear from you. Have an awesome week. And until next week, stay cool, stay calm, stay relaxed. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.